Welcome to another fantastic episode of Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast. Super grateful that uh, you're here for it. And our guest is a man of many talents today. He's a fantastic producer, mixer, songwriter, even podcaster. And then on top of all that good, amazing stuff, he's the guitarist and one of the founding members of Philadelphia's The Wonder Years. So let's give a big warm welcome to Casey Cavalier. How's it going, Casey? Oh, it's good. Honestly, I assume you'll have a lot of lovely uh, crowd sound effects or crickets. Um, <laughs> usually, usually I do, and and that's one thing I do with Streamyard. Like I, I usually like uh, I'll um, like patch in my iPad, and my iPad has like oh, brilliant all those sound effects that I can, so fun. Yeah, that I can shoot off. So that's amazing. But yeah, I'll have to I'll have to put those in. Uh, and post later yeah. for you. But usually so when I listen back, it, it feels a little bit more energetic and enthusiastic. I assume <laughs> they're all cheering. You know, it's like also like being in a band, you learn to kind of suspend disbelief by playing in front of maybe some less than sympathetic crowds to what you're doing on the way up. So that's also become a skill set where I'm just like, nah, I just got to pretend that they're really liking it and keep yeah. on rocking through it. So that's what right. I'm going to do here and assume that it'll all be okay in post. But yes, uh, <laughs> Jacob, thank you for having me. Um, yeah. This should be a fun chat, and I appreciate that you start out uh, with such genuine gratitude to your listeners. It's a big plus. I like that about well, you. Thanks, man. I appreciate. It. Well, you know, without my without our listeners, I wouldn't be able to do this. You know, for the last five years now. So it's just um, it's something that I always want to be grateful for. You know, and I, and I'm sure you do the same thing with you know the uh, the record process podcast. You know. Um, you said it with most of the things I do without ears for the, for the things that I do to go into as an audio professional, uh, musician and yeah, now podcaster, um, it's kind of a lonely, uh, one-sided world (laughs) without that. Uh, that's a very important, I think, yeah, I mean, in any, in any realm of art, you know, the point of it is kind of, uh, the reaction from the other side is the point of it is to be consumed. So yes. is it really art until it's consumed? Is it really <laughs> content until someone uh, digests it? I don't know. If a tree falls in the forest, Jacob, <laughs> let's get right into it. Let's just dive into like the Stoics. Let's dive into Greek philosophy. Let's give the listeners something really heavy to chew in so that they just hard out or all the way in in the first two minutes. They're just eating their pizza and having these deep thoughts while listening to this yeah. episode right now. They're just like, yeah. man, that's a really good, you know, th- no, seriously though, that is a great question. <laughs> like, is it actually art if it's not consumed? I mean, I will go ahead and disagree that art doesn't have to be consumed in order to be art, but maybe it does. I Maybe my my thought process on that is completely wrong. Well, you know, I don't, so I don't think there's a wrong thing. I think to you, it can be art, but you know, but it's like that weird period where a band has a record. I don't know. Not that I can relate to this right now as we speak, but has an entire record finished that nobody has heard yet. Um, and it's like kind of your own and you know, you love it. You know, you, um, did what you set out to do and then some, but it also hasn't really fully become part of the world that we've built yet, you know? Um, so I think that's, I think it's a, the secondary level of art, right? Cause I think a lot of art is kind of, you know, commentary, it's telling a story, but then it's ultimately kind of the connection that comes out of that. These are the kind of conversations that, um, God forbid someone ever works with me. This is what, this is what they get. <laughs> this uh, is what you guys you know, talk about. This is what, you um, know, maybe not just... so much for wonder years anymore, but yeah, definitely <laughs> if, if I'm like producing a band or a song, I get really deep inside of it to kind of, you know, and not just, um, you know, and not just to like, think of myself as like a highfalutin, you know, um, philosopher, but like truly like the essence of like, what are you trying to do with this song, with this story, with these lyrics, you know, with this part musically, it's like, ultimately you're trying to like pull a reaction out, you know, whether it be from yourself. And then that's the litmus when, you know, you're hearing it back and you're like, great. It makes me want to like pit and punch through a wall right now. (laughs) Job done, you know, or it makes me want to curl in a corner of a dark room under a blanket and cry. Okay, great. That's exactly what I was going for, you know? Um, So I don't know. It doesn't have to be, I I guess you're you're very right, but it, 
it takes on a, a new a new chapter um and it fully realizes its potential when um when it meets its audience. It's almost like I feel like our goal now on this episode is to come up with a word. Uh, we need to, to make up a word to uh, call that piece of art before it's actually art. Like there needs to be another word between that. You know, you're referencing sitting on a record, but it's just you and the band's record because no one else has heard it. So there needs to be we need to come up with a word to to specifically address that and give it a name. And well, not- listen, <laughs> I don't know as much about podcasting as you do yet, but this feels like a great opportunity to, um, I don't know, maybe turn it to your audience. Yeah, <laughs> um, there we maybe go. Maybe it's not for us to decide. <laughs> maybe it's not a term for us to coin, right? Um, maybe somebody out there is sitting, at, you know, and has gone and switched that Miller Lite uh, with their slice of pizza out for a delirium <laughs> tremens and is like, hey, this is going to be a really highbrow uh, evening right now. And maybe they've got the perfect word. So if they do, uh, shout out to the podcast or myself or somebody, because now I want to know you're right. It's it's cause it's not anti-art. It's not pre-art cause it is maybe art, you know, but, um, what is it? Like, what do you call? Yeah. What do you call it? You know, it, it's, in the developmental stage or it's, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like an athlete that knows they're incredible. They know they can run the 40, you know, but they're not out there on the team yet winning a super bowl, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like before you you put them into the actual game and see how they respond and the crowd responds. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of yeah. analogies getting thrown out here <laughs> very early on. But you're, another thing you're talking about, though, um, like these having these crazy conversations or like deep conversations while you're in the studio working with someone. I feel like I've experienced that so many almost every single time I've recorded a song with a producer like we end up on some topic and it just goes like haywire like we end up talking it, it doesn't even have to be like about the song it can be about something completely different but we just we just deep dive into it and we're like yeah like how does that actually work and like they should do it this way or you know we might be talking about star wars or something and it just goes into this big you know, I just yeah, feel like then, that happens in, and in then the eight studio. hours later. You're like, Oh, I guess we got to book more time. Uh, <laughs> we didn't get any yeah. of that vocal track. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I know that side of it too. I also think that's, um, that's a really important, uh, qualifier for developing uh, a connection and developing a trust. You know what I mean? Even if whatever yeah. you're talking about is not at all related to the song, it's all related to the level of trust and care that you feel like you're receiving. Even if it's an engineer that is just that you hire out from the studio and you don't know him or her at all, you walk in, it's like, that's a really intimate and personal thing to have someone line up and hear your raw vocal take or your, you know, um, you know, best effort on whatever instrument you're putting out there, uh, as a complete stranger. So that's, I mean, that was a big thing to learn, uh, you know, about producing and working with other bands is not just, Hey, let's get the song where it needs to go or let, let's round some corners on this, but to actually realize you're kind of, you know, if you're tracking a vocalist, you're almost at, at certain points more like, unqualified therapist than you are uh engineer you know it's about getting them in a, in a nice headspace and yeah sometimes you have to have those um if you've allowed for and built time into the process of course um which is also a really important factor uh those periods to go off on some tangents where you really feel like you're connecting with who's making it and that they know a little bit more about you so they know down the line you know, maybe you're searching for the right instrument or the right part or the right thing to finish something off. And they're like, Hey, this idea came to me. And because I know X, Y, and Z about you, or because we already had this conversation, <laughs> yes. I feel like I'm going to bring it up. Right. So it's all, yeah. it all kind of is relevant, but so much to say that when, you know, when you get into collaboration and we do discuss this actually a lot on the record process too, it's a very like collaboration heavy, uh, conversation from episode to episode. And, uh, and I love that about it because at the core of that is all just realizing it's just relationships. All of this is just relationships. It's relationships with the audience, with your fans, people that listen to the show, people that listen to 
our records. Um, and then when you're making them, it's the same thing. It's, it's about how solid are those relationships and, and, uh, you know, I think the product that gets yielded reflects the quality of those relationships and how deep they were able to go, you know, how off the walls they were willing to get. Cause someone felt really comfortable or someone baked in time to try it or someone went the extra mile with it. And, uh, uh, I love that. I love that shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. That makes me, you know, um, sometimes you, you learn some things about some of your favorite records that you're just shocked to hear about, you know? Um, I remember having a conversation with someone one time about one of my favorite albums that they put out, um, in the last couple of years. I'm like, dude, that was, that was your best album. And then they tell me like, yeah, but it was absolutely hell. Like the whole process was absolutely hell. And they talk about how the feelings and the relationship between the members in the band and the producers and the engineers, it was just all bad vibes, but the record was amazing. So you think, well, what would have happened if the relationships between the members and the producers and the engineers and all of that, what if it was actually good? And then you think, man, that album would have been like 20 times even more amazing than it ended up turning out, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a, there is, there's a little bit to the kind of lightning in a bottle thing, but also it is interesting that it doesn't always have to be, and that's not, that's not always to say that it has to be perfect, right? There yeah. is, there is good and bad and all of that affects how something comes out, right? If you, if you have a vocalist and they are, you know, coming up to a bridge and it's a, you know, say we're like way back in the early two thousands and this is like screamo is having its moment, right? Yes, now, you maybe yes. don't want them to be like super relaxed and comfortable. Well, they have to go like spill their guts out about something that infuriates them or that is like cripplingly, um, you know, all consuming, you know, with an emotion. So I don't know, maybe it's just like, Hey, maybe sometimes you do need to get a little pissed off <laughs> if you're a vocalist. <laughs> I've seen this work really well, work wonders with our drummer, Michael. Like he, uh, you know, we've recorded you piss him off before, like he does a, a take. Well, I, well, no, I mean, not intentionally, but I, you know, you get, you get to a point where you're, you know, uh, trying to, I've, I've watched him cut drums in pre-pro and it just, there is a certain delicate balance in, uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes people can get this wrong and, and really like, uh, take a negative turn. And sometimes you watch like masters that just know the person and know kind of how to read them and work with them and know when to be, you know, you know, when to be really like, you know, throw a little elbow jab there, you know, after five times to be like, nah, still not getting the fill. And then all of a sudden you're just like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll just move on and I'll edit it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, fuck no. All right. <laughs> one more. And then just destroys it. Right. It's like knowing what to say and when to, um, to guide, uh, that, that kind of instinct, you know, in a player and a drummer is, is really important too. Um, and I think I, you know, sometimes it, that that is what you hear. So maybe some of those records were that good because they were pissed off at the label <laughs> or the producer, and they were like, "Oh, I'll fucking show you right now." You I know, mean, it's, um, it's true. It's absolutely so it's interesting. True. Um, and that's and we kind of explore that good and bad on the show. You know, depending on the record, because uh, the circumstances of a lot of these records matter, right? Um, and sometimes you might not be aware as a fan how they matter because you digest them at your own time and, and place um, in your life. And, and it's all kind of relevant. But sometimes it's interesting to see, you know, to go back or even in the, you know, in the simplest of most boiled down uh, kind of analogies. It's almost like a, hey, I always thought this song was about this. And then you, you know, meet the songwriter and you're like, you're like, no, actually, it was uh, for me, not about that at all, but that's actually great and very cool. So there is like a delicacy, um, a delicate, uh, balance too, to that sometimes. Cause letting, um, you know, music or a song or art be whatever it, you know, is going to be to the audience. That's not always a hundred percent up for you to control as the musician, as the producer, as the songwriter, um, or as the podcast host, even you came into this and you're like, yeah, this will be a nice chat. And you had no idea where we were going. Um, I, and, but I love and neither that. Did your I love listeners. surprises, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
and being able to steer surprises. into those, I think is also, you know, something that we talk about where you're just like, Hey, this is the hand we were dealt. And if we want to get back to even more stoic philosophy, letting the obstacle be the way, right. Um, you know, uh, it sometimes can be a really, really cool way to, let things evolve naturally. So absolutely. So Casey, I think the the first time that I discovered that you were a producer and a mixer and engineer, um, out you know outside of doing the Wonder Years, was relatively not that long ago. I think it was in 2020 uh, when I talked with Drew of I Call Fives. He was on ah, Hot Punk yes. and Pizza, and, Mr. Um, Conti. Yeah, Conti. He's such a fun guy. We had a gr- we had a great time. But I th- I'm pretty sure he was the one that was like, "Yeah, we've been working with, you know, Casey from uh, the Wonder Years." And I'm like, "Oh, I was like, I didn't know Casey. Yeah. I was like, I didn't know he did that." So, where does your love for you know producing and, and mixing come into play? When did that start? Was that way before the Wonder Years, or was it the uh, you know p- playing and writing? Uh, in the Wonder Years, did that kind of bring your interest to the whole producing and mixing aspect? Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit more towards the latter um, in that it was a progression. Uh, I've always written and demoed ideas uh, for the band and and even before Wonder Years, right? Um, You know, when we, uh, I was in a band, like the first, you know, band as a a kid, like 11, 12 years old, my bass player, Josh and I, um, both playing bass and guitar respectively, uh, in that band actually. So it's been, you know, two plus decades, um, playing side by side with him. And, uh, even that band, you know, I had a little Tascam four track cassette recorder and we like recorded a whole full length live, you know, of, <laughs> of songs that were like, um, you know, I'll say like heavily, like, 90s alt rock and or like Green Day influenced in their own way, um, yeah. but we had to veer a little bit um, veer a little bit differently because we also had a keyboard player <laughs> um, who was maybe the oh, most nice. talented player in, like in the band at that time. So we were like, I don't know, we got to do something with this. I guess yeah. we'll cover uh, closing time by Semisonic. That's got uh, <laughs> piano on it. Um, but uh, so I mean, it started kind of there where I was like, I got to figure out how to. I only got four channels and. Uh, where are the vocals going to go? And like, I'll put a mic between the drums and the bass amp and that'll kind of get that right. You know, like all those things, figuring out what does and doesn't work and how just to try and capture it. And, um, and then over the, you know, the last like two plus decades, then, uh, with wonder years, especially you just do it so much, you, you know, demo apart, you know, write, you know, full arrangements of like, here's what a, here's what like a little look for this, um, you know, this section could be with full guitar idea. Here's like a, you know, a little vocal melody or a melody theme. Here's what the drum groove could kind of be like, but, you know, but then also allowing space for, you know, the rest of the band to, to put their signature on it in, in certain places. And then eventually, you know, you see what those, initial like real quick dent, what I'll call like down and dirty demos, you know, start to sound like, uh, and then you see the full progression of what the, the final tracks sound like. And eventually each time, each record, I was like, ah, let me, let me put a little more time into this. Let me get a little closer. Um, and I became kind of consumed and really intrigued, not even, not only just in the songwriting stuff, but in the actual process of getting really solid takes tracking things correctly and and putting more care into that and then understanding how to build this kind of like sonic world and, you know, get things to work cohesively in a really dense style of music, um, from a mixing standpoint. So it was kind of a progression like that. And then eventually, um, you know, probably five years ago or so I started, uh, realizing that like, man, I, you know, so much of the creative output is wonder years based, but, uh, there is time where we're not on the road and time where like, we've just finished putting together a record. And I'm like, I'm not necessarily going to write, you know, 10 more wonder years songs or ideas right now. Um, you know, I'm kind of, uh, a little tapped stylistically on that, mm-hmm. but I still want to be making music. I still am obsessed with that pursuit of trying to move people emotionally. And I was like, wait a second, there is a never ending supply of really incredible, incredible, creative people. Um, and maybe I can, uh, 
ask some of them uh, where their thoughts are, or maybe they want a hand or need a hand um, or are looking for someone to kind of, um, you know, come in from a collaborative end uh, in the studio uh, to work on their stuff. And surprisingly, uh, there were options. Drew and the guys in I Call Fives were one of them that was like a cool serendipitous reunion uh, of them coming back and doing more songs. And it was a time and a place where I had just gotten into... Um, and just build a, a new studio space right across the bridge, um, right just outside of Philadelphia. And it was kind of a, a perfect time for them. So that was one of the many kind of um, local and regional projects that I worked on. And then I started kind of expanding some more, um, you know, people that were familiar with Wonder Year stuff, um, started reaching out, saw what I was doing. And and then, yeah, it's it's been interesting. The, the pandemic, um, the last couple of years, actually kind of did what I already saw happening, which was, um, in a really, uh, I guess, silver lining kind of way, uh, shine a light on the fact that, you know, the modern commercial, like recording industry, as it were with like big fancy studios is definitely shifting to a more home recording, um, you know, phase. And I think there are some really cool, positives to that in terms of what independent artists can work out about themselves creatively. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time having friends track us early on. Well, we figured, well, we got all the bad songs out. Well, we got all that, you know, like, um, you know, or a lot of that to figure out who we were. Right. And I realized, you know, that point in the process is, is really important as well. And, and actually really fun, uh, for me. And, I, you know, what I've done with Wonder Years has illuminated a lot of um, a lot of really cool uh, aspects of getting to be in a band for so long with the same people and watch almost from the outside as it evolves um, as a, like a force and an organism all of itself and, and finds its footing and, and what it, you know, what it is and what it isn't. Um, and I wanted to do that more with other bands, um, because I think it's exciting and a lot of, and I remember what it was like to be in that, like, no, our band doesn't do this or like our band, you know, like, well, I don't know what we do. It's like, and figuring out the, like, who you are, it's like, you can't do it in one song, you know, no. it's a little mm -hmm. easier to do it in like five to six. You can, you can provide a little bit more depth on the roster, you know? Yes. Um, but it's not until you start conceptualizing from kind of like a long-term standpoint, Hey, where are you going? You can't do it all <laughs> in, uh, you know, one studio session. So let's focus and make sure that whatever you put out is like the best foot forward from a quality standpoint, and you're going to learn and grow and you're going to bring new stuff in and every artist and musician and songwriter that I work with is all at a very uniquely different point, uh, in their career when it comes to that. So it's really cool. And, and so I've gravitated to doing a lot more of that, um, even remotely. So because of the pandemic that, you know, right. sessions that look like this, where, you know, we're sharing, um, you know, like bedroom recordings back and forth where they don't need to like come into the studio to give me an idea of what the song sounds like, you know, uh, and a lot of that can be done ahead of time. Or even if, um, you know, they have a setup and a, and a really nice studio that's local to them, then I can come in at that point in the process and, and help tailor some of the songs to do exactly what they're trying to do, but maybe don't have the like 15, 20 years of no, that's not the best. Or there's a, there's another way that you can actually try to achieve that kind of, kind of thing. So it's, it's been fun, man. Yeah. Wait, so when you, uh, when, when you, what, what was the, who was the first band or the first artist that you worked with outside of the wonder years when you're like, okay, I want to do this, you know, I want to do this producing and, and, engineering and mixing, uh, songwriting with other artists and other bands. What was that first experience like for you? What do you, what are some things that come to mind when you think about it? Yeah, it's interesting. Actually, I feel like some of them in true, um, anybody that's, you know, looking to break into, or has already broken into, you know, um, the like recording engineer, um, kind of 
game, so to speak, it's usually your friends and people that, you know, you know, are, are some of your first clients, uh, with, with some heavy air quotes. Right. Um, (laughs) and so for me, you know, it wasn't any different. It was, uh, you know, we've always done some, you know, some stuff on the side. There's a, a heavy creative output with wonder years. So it's kind of been throwing ideas back and forth about each other's side projects and, um, and that, and that helped a lot too, um, because their perspectives and people that we're familiar with. And then beyond that, it, you know, it started out probably being, um, still some friends. Um, but, uh, you know, I started doing records with like some of the people that actually helped, um, helped me put together the studio initially. Um, there's a band from Philly called honey jar who one of my studio partners, Adam, um, this was, you know, a couple years ago that we did this record at this point, but, um, it was kind of like a cool indie, like dream pop record. Uh, obviously it's not in the pop punk purview, so to speak, but, um, you know, still a great record and the songs are, are incredible. And I, you know, I helped put that together, track the drums and, and, and help where I could with that. And it was just such a cool, fulfilling thing to, um, even if I wasn't doing everything on a record to play a role and play a hand in something that I really believed in. Uh, so it was, it was a couple things like that. And then it was a few other, you know, local bands, whether they were punk bands, reggae bands, or even just, um, you know, some random kind of like walk-in studio clients that were like, Hey, I have these 10 songs. I just don't have a band. Uh, and I don't know, (laughs) um, where to go with them. I just want them like finished and be like, okay, let's come up with arrangements and, and build you a record of, you know, these songs and, and then kind of like track them and, and put, and wear all those hats, you know, wear kind of an arranger, um, hat, uh, a recording engineer hat and a session musician hat all, all in one. So there, you know, there were some <laughs> projects like that, that were, um, you know, maybe stylistically not, um, not the first thing that I would have expected to come, uh, through the door, but did. And it, and they were a lot of fun. So I was going to say, was, that's gotta be a lot of fun. Like you're literally kind of starting from scratch and you're just like, Hey, let's, let's fucking make this thing, you know? Like, yeah. And, um, and it was written and that that's really cool too, because we had to, we're kind of moving really quick where we'd go based off of just kind of like vocal, vocal demos and, and, you know, and a solo kind of acoustic guitar, like very singer songwriter. And you'd have to build an entire world, uh, around it and make stylistic choices and say, no, let's play more to this, like kind of like fifties, like little Richard vibe. No, let's play more to this kind of like seventies classic rock, you know, like George Thorogood vibe on this, you know, um, (laughs) from track to track, but have it all kind of feel like it lived in the same world for the client. Um, and that was such a cool experience and so fun too, to, to kind of just, um, stretch, but then try to picture where, you know, where they would potentially be, um, be really happy uh, and proud to have the song go and, and have it live, you know, in, in its final, like kind of cemented form. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so stuff like that, you know, it, it, it was all learning and growing experiences too, in terms of doing it on a commercial level, you know, cause then you're delivering something, you're not just playing around with, with demos or, you know, doing mixes for friends. So, um, it kind of helped me learn, um, and, and start to adjust and recalibrate recalibrate so to speak to do it on a on a much more professional level i guess and you know i would imagine you learn something new from each project whether it is something where you're literally like building a band in the studio kind of like what you just talked about too you're already working with a band and you're just helping them kind of perfect their song or perfect their craft. I mean, I'm sure there's a takeaway from each session or each project that you do. Oh, big time. Uh, I, I am right now in the midst of a period <laughs> at the beginning of this year where I am learning more every day. Um, then my brain can probably catalog and store at such a pace with how much I'm, you know, I'm trying to do and how many, um, how many clients and artists I'm working with on like, very wide streams of the spectrum from like a a lo-fi, like indie and like punk kind of act all the way to like a hyper pop, like EDM pop punk, like future punk remix, like type stuff. Um, and then everything organically in between some of the, I call five stuff. There's obviously, there's going to be more of that stuff coming this year that we did, you know, things like that. Um, so it kind of, it kind of runs the gamut and there's, I mean, it's, it's super interesting because I think too, um, what I've learned, uh, 
I guess, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this cause I, I think it's always interesting. And for anybody that might be, uh, you know, curious about doing, uh, you know, or getting involved in the pursuit of recording production, whatever, a lot of people will tell you and you will see some, you know, some generally regarded advice that says niche down, like find your genre, your subgenre, and just be the best at that. Right. And I don't think that that's bad advice. I, I truly don't. It's clearly worked for a lot of people that I know. Um, and the people that are giving that advice are clearly giving that from a place that they saw it work on their journey. Right. And I've grappled with that idea too, because clearly I know, um, the guitar driven rock genre, um, and, and punk space, um, probably better than, you know, than almost any other, um, from an intimate, um, vantage point, because I've lived it for the last 15, 20 years, uh, and, uh, you know, came up and grew up as a fan of it as well, before I, you know, started getting more and more ingrained in it and involved in it. However, what I've realized is I am learning um, <clears throat> to treat things on more of a core um, emotive level than a genre trope level sonically by stretching and working on and kind of flipping the script and saying, OK, this is like a, a very minimalist, like uh, ambient kind of indie rock you know, record. And then going over here and being like, this is literally a you know, mash up like future punk EDM cover of an old emo song to, okay, great. This is like trying to help an artist figure out where they toe the line between hyper pop production and like old school, like big anthem guitars. Right. Um, and then pulling out different lessons and thinking of it, not as I want this to sound just like all of these, but then have each mix, have each production, fit the artist more than anything else and really get good at that. And that's why I, I do take a lot of time and some people might work to be like, Hey, send me your thing. I'm going to send it back to you. I'm going to pop it in my template and then you will get the drum sound and the sound for this genre with that. Right. Uh, and that's one way of doing it. And there are, you know, there are certain things and, and shortcuts that I can, you know, that I can take um, to make that more, you know, more effective if that's what somebody is coming to me and wants. But I take a little bit more time with a conversation like this, uh, face to face to try and get to know where the band sees themselves, what some of their references are, what some of their influences are. Cause maybe they like a really interesting band that did something really cool sonically that all of them agree on. And it's a moment that we can pull into the record that nobody else in that specific genre is kind of doing. And I think that's ultimately more important for uh, a band in pressing through and kind of cutting through all of the the noise on DSPs and and um, and social media, as it were right now. So um, I, I like to try and do that and just be like, what is truly unique and interesting about you from an influence standpoint, from an origin story standpoint, and then from the from the taste standpoint that if it's a solo artist that you have and have refined or if it's a band it's like hey i I've, i loved it a, a band that i worked with um years ago um uh it was the same thing um called with friends like these they um uh like a, a modern pop punk band that kind of w was very in that realm um you know like wrote some, some crazy vocal lines, not dissimilar to, the, um, you know, like I call fives in that nature and oh, like okay. a lot of the, the panic, the disco, sure. um, type stuff. Um, and, uh, like I remember their one guitar player had, um, had an idea and referenced like, a I I think it was, a um, a part in one of the, one of a, a song by this band architects and, um, you know, and it was like a, it was like a thing where I was like, that's not really, it's like, it's a, it's modern and it's a rock band, but it's not in the genre that you guys are in. But he had a completely different, like, oh, I also love this like darker, heavier, like mo you know, like modern hard rock kind of stuff. Um, and brought that and had a, and had a cool idea for a transition and that the band loud. I was like, we should definitely do that. We should pull something like that in, you know, and I love those moments and getting to know those, um, more so than anything else, more so than just trying to keep it in line with what people are expecting in a genre. So it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting it's, thing, but that's, yeah, yeah, it's almost like, um, it's almost like a mixture of art and 
almost what you're talking about now just makes me think of like marketing almost, you know, it's, it's, um, it's finding those ways to, to stand out. And, and that, that kind of plugs into the whole marketing realm, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. putting, putting yourself apart from others in your genre, you know, um, because there's a billion pop punk bands, you know, but what makes, you know, like what makes you different than the, uh, the other pop punk band, you know, that, that right. sound. No, a hundred percent. I mean, and what you're kind of, you're kind of floating right into uh, another transition that happened. Um, and like seemingly another hat that I somehow ended up wearing over the last two years, um, <laughs> when we were forced to kind of, uh, lean completely into remote communication, um, <clears throat> was the fact that, yeah, a lot of the, uh, artists that I was working with in the studio a couple years ago, um, would start to call me up after we were done the record and ask for, you know, any thoughts or tips as far as releasing their stuff or, you know, and, and kind of marketing. And what I, you know, began to realize more and more was that, um, one, you know, as a studio, you can just kind of be like, Hey, this is a service. Like here's the product that you paid for like a restaurant. Here's the meal. Here's yep. the check, pay the bill, leave, never see you again. Right. Um, uh, that it is, in no way like that. And your pads are, uh, really, um, kind of perpetually intertwined once you sit down and make a record and, and put yourself into it and, and really care, um, about a, a band's record, um, and try to care as much as they do, because it's, you'll probably never care as much, but you know, it gets pretty close sometimes. And that's what I was like, man, I hate that, you know, they put so much time, seeing bands that put so much time into the sonics and the songs and then have no conceptual idea of where to take it there afterwards. And, yes. um, and I started seeing that a bunch and then people would come to me and I was like, well, let's put some time in, uh, maybe as we're finishing the record to figure out what you can do after to roll it out, to give it its proper due and give it a chance at seeing the light of day and, and getting the kind of visibility that every artist hopes they get. Because, um, if it doesn't, you know, it's it kind of starts to be that tree falls in a forest. If you just put it up on Bandcamp and hope that they will come <laughs> back to the know, trees in the forest, right? Um, it's all there. See, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very just... primed to circle back on themes. Uh, uh, that's but, what like, a true songwriter does, right? right? I mean, right, they, right. They're all... <laughs> right. This is my, ref my refrain. And then watch as we go into the outro, I'm going to give a different color spin to it. And you're going to be like, Oh, whoa, <laughs> my mind trees, is just going to be blown. The, <laughs> the trees weren't even real, like, uh, you know, um, but, it, it, but it really is. And that's kind of how that functioned. And that's how I almost, uh, I ended up getting into, uh, you know, a bit of kind of artist consulting and like, um, you know, almost like, uh, like artists, like coaching in a, in effect, because there was no other real, like kind of way to call it, uh, other than doing it, uh, you know, on like a kind of like remote, um, you know, virtual uh you know call basis so yeah and i mean i feel like the uh you know the the record process podcast is kind of it, it dives into that and i know the the most recent episode that was released in november i know you're currently where you're doing seasons right so you're currently recording season two right yes so, so and season two is actually going to sound much different because season one kind of laid the groundwork with myself and my studio partners, um, talking through a lot of that and kind of ending with even, you know, an episode touching on exactly what we were just mentioning. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was listening to, you know, um, I, I, I wasn't actually expecting to, when I, uh, looked up the record process podcast and I started coming through the episodes, I was really happy to see, um, you know, that most recent one uh, talking about the actual, like finding your audience. And I remember one of the things uh, that was talked about towards the beginning of the episode was cover art and how there really needs to be uh, a lot of thought put into that. And I think you had mentioned you should be thinking about that while you're actually like recording in the studio. You should be thinking about 
what should, what's this cover art going to look like, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times that's not, um, that's not a crazy groundbreaking thought. I think a lot of artists do think visually as well, um, you know, as sonically and verbally, Absolutely. but it's about kind of like categorizing those and, and, uh, and cataloging those as you go to start seeing how they might all come together and coalesce. And, and even if you have ideas, just like sketching stuff in a notebook, or I'm actually working with a, a couple projects right now where I'm having them go and almost put together kind of like um, a mood board type thing because they're getting ready to do a whole kind of brand refresh um, as they start to roll out all the new material that is, you know, decidedly like much bigger, better and, and you know, and larger um, that we've been working on with them. And it kind of feels like they this is like a new chapter for them. So, uh, you know, working with them to to kind of guide them through like, hey, pull together all of the, your different like it, like inspirational, you know, aesthetics and see what the crossover is and see what best fits. And then it's all in one place and you can have an ongoing brainstorm and starting that process. We're starting that process with them now. Uh, and they haven't even released the, they won't even release the first song until next month, you know, yeah. that we've worked on together. Um, and so that by the time, like the, second song, third song are, are starting to, you know, to roll out and, and build. It's already like all of these things we're talking about are already thought out in advance of, of that kind of stuff. So it feels really, um, cohesive. Uh, and so, yeah, and, and, you know, and we do, and I, I've watched that process with wonder years and, you know, my singer, Dan, even before the songs are done, like lyrically and thematically, we, you know, start ruminating and start tossing around. Well, I think like, this is going to be an important thing, or I'm trying to like bring this back in this song. How can we do it kind of thing? Um, and then speaking to that musically as well. And I think that's what we've always tried to do. And that's what I'm trying to instill is now more than anything, um, creatively, uh, artists are being asked to do more than ever themselves. Yep. And I think the only way to have a fair and honest shot at that without completely wanting to pull your hair out and quit forever is giving yourself more lead time to think through all of these things. And that's also kind of like a, you know, a time management scheduling and organizational kind of front that is not always top of mind and the like number one skill set for creatives, to well, be fair. And, and we always, I, and I know, I'm sure this happens to you. You write something that's absolutely spectacular. It's mind blowing. And the first thing on your mind is, I want to release this right now. Like you're just so excited about it and you want to share it to every, everyone. But it's like, well, wait a minute. I got to step back and I really got to, I got to put all the other pieces together that's right. to, cause otherwise you'll present it and it doesn't have that, that impact that it does on you. Like the, the excitement isn't, there for the person consuming it. The excitement is just there for you. So it's like, right. okay, I need to get all these other pieces in place around it in order to kind of explain why I'm so excited about this. Totally. And you know, what's interesting about that uh, right before this, I just got off another production call with an artist who is honestly grappling with that same thing. We're just like, we're at the very, um, the very beginning stages of working through a ton of material that he has demoed out and uh, the songs are great and awesome. And he's all, it's all stuff that he's done just, you know, in his bedroom and, and across, um, you know, across like a, at this point, like a couple months, years, depending on the track. And so there is an, you know, almost an anxiety that he was kind of describing about, Hey, I want to get these out. Like, you yeah. know, but he also knows he's like, but I want them to be as good as they can be. So we're in that like proof of concept phase where I'm like, totally, I don't in no way want to hinder the momentum and progress that, you know, any artist has planned, but also it's good to counterbalance that with, Let's pause. Let's take time and make sure that we're not letting this go before all of these things are explored. Right. Um, and so there's a balance to that. Right. Because then if you keep doing that, like perfectionism, you know, is kind of the death of creativity and, and the death of progress in its own way. So trying to grapple with that, but also, um, you know, understanding that you you do want to keep things rolling downhill. And for a lot of them, I say, Hey, if you can batch and think about it this way, if you're releasing a song, you're always going to be playing catch up every time you like 
finish a song, then release a song, then finish a song and then are finishing a song. Whereas if you kind of get a head start and honestly, I, you know, I've done this with the perfect example. I've done it with the podcast with season two of the record process. We have like 10 episodes already batched, ready to go. I yeah. could just like let all of those cats out of the bag right now, you know, on the guests and how amazing they are. I have that same excitement. I'm like, holy shit. I want to tell you that like, and I don't know when this will air, but it's just like, yeah, that the first episode that we do with Mayday Parade, that's the first episode of season two is unreal. They're talking about like the whole process of the self-titled record that they did and how the mindset that from the first, from the record before it impacted it and how everything got written it's amazing. And it also speaks to like the human element of what it was like to be in that time and place, but I'm not going to just like, but then I have one that's ready to go behind it. And then I have another one that's ready to go behind it because yeah. I know I'm going to be on tour for two months, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. whereas if I had just done that one and then let it out and people were like, Hey, that's really good. And be like, okay, cool. Well, give me two months and then um, I'll get another one together when <laughs> I'll I'm have back. Another right? one for you. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. so uh, it's in the, it's the same kind of thing where like I'm I'm trying to instill that that mentality of putting a much longer um, schedule together if you can, and understanding how that can kind of set you up for success, so that by the time you get to the third song on your release plan. You've already, if you're, if you're still like, you know, in the works, you can spread that budget and that time allocation out to be like, you can already have another song done by that point in the time that you're doing, you know, so that it kind of always keeps you a, a couple steps ahead as an artist. And so that if something does happen, you're flexible and can pivot and say one song really takes off then you have time to give it its moment. And maybe somebody else comes in and is like, Hey, we would love to, to pick you up or put this out. Do you have anything else? You know, maybe you want to, there's like five songs here already. It's like, we, maybe we want to, you know, a label wants to put a full length out with you or something. It's like, but yeah, then I already have like four more songs. I just need to track one more. Here they are, which is a, a much better place to be in for those relationships, especially if you're an independent artist. So yeah, I'm trying Absolutely. to, trying to help, um, you know, structure and, and sometimes it's even just accountability, you know, it's like a, yeah. Hey, come check back in with me. Uh, you know, how are you doing with all that stuff? I'm not going to like slap you on the knuckles with the ruler. Cause ultimately <laughs> it's, you know, you get out of it, what you put in. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, sometimes it's I always use the personal trainer analogy, right? You're not paying a personal trainer to like show you how to lift a weight. Maybe you are a little bit, but that's not what you're paying him for like years and years on end, right? You're paying them for the accountability to come in even on the days that you don't feel like working and to give you that extra motivation because, you know, ah, I'm going to see my, I'm going to see him tomorrow. And if yep. I didn't do the thing they're I'm going to feel bad it's, when I lie to them, you know, yep. like it's, the, uh, it's so. the guidance, it's the whole guidance thing. And yeah, the moments where you need a, a little encouragement or a little push, you know, all those things. Um, yeah. And it can feel really lonely too. just be like right now in this climate, especially because so much of it happens digitally. If you're an independent artist, you're just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I know I'm like messaging with people, but <laughs> I, like, there's no, like when you shut off the screen, I'm just like, I kind of feel like nobody actually understands how hard I'm trying, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah. and that can be really daunting too. So, uh, it all plays, it all plays a role. And I, I'm just trying to, sew all of the, uh, different experiences that I've had with wonder years, you know, over the last two decades together. And, you know, that's not trying to say that I'm like applying a wonder years mold or format to every band, uh, hardly, um, quite the opposite actually. And, uh, but I'm using what I have, what it, I have benefited from greatly. And, and I'm super grateful to have had that time to learn all those things. So yeah, it's, yeah. um, that's fulfilling. And that's another, um, another slice of the, uh, of the pie that is, um, it is my, you know, my day to day, but it's, that is it's Casey. cool and it's fun. There's, yeah. yeah. I feel like we could talk for five hours. Like there's so many different things to talk about. Just, just even just with you as a producer and, uh, and, you know, an engineer and a songwriter and, uh, um, just an overall guru and <laughs> develop in development, you know, in music development, there's so many different things there. Um, but I know we're, uh, we're running short on time. So 
real quick, like, um, if people do want to get in contact with you, uh, you know, through uh, True Level Studio, uh, all that fun stuff. What's the the best place? What's usually the format of how that works for you? Yeah, absolutely. This shameless p- plug section of the segment, my favorite, honestly. <laughs> yes. um, you also got to, and this is the thing too, it's like you also got to be able to, to go out there and tout your victories, right? If someone's yes. like, hey, what's your favorite band? I don't know, say your band, you know what I mean? Like why, you know, like that's maybe not the, it's like, it seems like an insane answer, but like also approach things with the, yeah, you should listen to my band. And I love when people are like, when I'm like, what, like what else, what news out there? And they're like, yo, my band's EP is killing it. Here it is. It's like the unabashed confidence is like, sometimes it, you know, it can be a little much, but I also, I'm just like, that's great. Cause that's not a thing where they're just like too shy to like put it out there. Cause I think in this climate, part of it is putting yourself out there into the universe. Um, so as I will put myself out there right now, you can find me at caseycavalier.com first and foremost. Um, and, uh, and like, just use that contact form if you want to get a hold of me, or I'm usually honestly at this point, uh, I have settled into spending any of the, the time that I do on social media on Instagram. So you can message me there. Um, and then true level as well is just at true level studio. Uh, and our website is truelevelstudio.com If you're interested in that, um, like I said, I'm down in Atlanta, but so I'll, I'll kind of be splitting my time between Atlanta and that studio in Philly as well. And, um, and yeah, the, the podcast that you mentioned is the record process, uh, Wait, everyone all- should, everyone that's in a band or is about to join a band or you're a solo artist or whatever. I feel like that podcast is such a great tool and everyone needs to go listen to it because it really just kind of lays things out and will kind of get your mind turning about your own creative process and just kind of, it gives you guidance. So I, I think, uh, I'm really grateful, um, you know, that you and, and Tom, uh, from true level studio have, have started that podcast because we need more tools like that for the, the independent artist, you know? Yeah. Well, that's very nice of, uh, very nice to hear you say that. Um, I appreciate that. And I, I would also note that, uh, if you are interested in anything like that, then season two will be a whole new step up and above. Like I mentioned the first episode, which on February 18th or February 8th, um, is going to be an interview with, uh, friends of ours from the band Mayday Parade talking about their self-titled album that came out, uh, 12 years ago at this point that's another <laughs> should have been a 10 year right um yeah we're in that yep. doing doing the like uh that plus two <laughs> math um and but then also it's like if you're if you happen to be a wonder years fan there's probably going to be an episode that's you're not going to want to miss that shortly follows that um oh, you know hint. um yeah and uh <laughs> and then I, uh, what we're trying to do too uh like you mentioned as an extension of the full kind of linear phase you know phase section by section of the process that we walked through in season 1 find different people not always just the artist um, but not always just the producer. Cause I think there's some shows out there that do some of each of those in a really nice way, but, um, there haven't been any that we find that really from week to week, try to shift and give you a different perspective of like, okay, this, this is going to really tell the story about songwriting and world building, you know, uh, about this record, you know, um, and we even interview a good friend of mine that talks through the marketing and publicity end of a very notable release that came out in 2016 in the punk community. So like, there's a lot there, even within the first couple months. Um, so yeah, I, like, and, and I love the fact that it's cool because then you can hear the episode. And if you're not familiar with the record, cause there's some are there, um, we're also trying to include some, some new and not just like, you know, huge, like old legacy records. Um, you know, some, some stuff that's, you know, more modern and has just come out and is incredible and is, and is getting a lot of attention and buzz and is worth the time to sit down to talk through it it's a great opportunity to be like, Hey, I've never heard this record, but now I just listened to the artist or producer that worked on it. Um, talk about the whole thing. And then it gives you this whole new light when you go listen to it and you're like, Whoa. Um, and I love that kind of stuff. You know, that, that thing where it's like, uh, almost the inverse of what, um, shows like song exploder that, you know, the great podcast and, uh, you know, became a Netflix series, um, does, but doesn't really, 
goes into maybe the more technical end of it, you know, whereas we try to cover um, a wide range of the time, place, circumstance, process, and really dive in a little bit deeper across a whole record or release. So uh, sure. we're very excited about it. And uh, and thank you for those kind words. Yeah, anybody yeah, that wants to, um, we we heavily implore you to reach out and let us know what you think as we get going here in the second season. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear the second season. So, <laughs> um, and then besides that too, obviously uh, the wonder years, they're about to hit the road that starts uh, February 5th, runs through March 25th, um, you know, back to the whole 10 year plus um, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> tours, thanks to COVID, um, you know, you're playing the upsides and then suburbia I've given you all. And now I'm nothing um, playing both of those records back to back because they're now 10 plus. Um, yep. And the, the, yep, they've aged. They've hit the, that age marker <laughs> together. I, yeah. I, I still I still can't believe like it's been 10 years already for <laughs> both of those, especially uh, Suburbia, because that was the first record that introduced me to Wonder Years as it was for for many. Um, it's such a staple. And that's a whole nother podcast that maybe we'll get into one day. But, um, you know, I mean, that record carry the torch for the next generation of pop punk i feel like you know and obviously there was others to go along with it but suburbia is a big one it just kept it it kept it going through the you know the 2010s into now the you know 2020s so yeah well i mean and that's you know in anything i'm trying to do uh or that wonder years has been trying to do i you know i don't think we uh saw that, um, you know, uh, record in any way or our band when we first started out having any semblance of, um, you know, that kind of impact. Uh, so we were grateful for any and all, uh, um, you know, awareness or acknowledgement of what we were doing. Um, so it is pretty crazy this many years later to think about that, uh, and still wildly humbling. Um, thank you to any, yeah, I like wholly appreciate anyone that is still here or that's getting ready to come out and see those shows or has, you know, depending on when this comes out, has already seen any of those shows, um, and sung along. And yeah, I, I think, um, the understanding that, uh, just like the way I treat everything else and kind of, um, almost, uh, so aptly titled in the name of the podcast, uh, just like being part of the process, whether it be in terms of a genre or in terms of on a micro scale with, you know, the journey of a song, very, uh, happy to just play a small role in keeping that going, keeping it evolving. And, um, and I guess keeping that, uh, that flame lit, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, you're keeping it lit on many, many different ends. <laughs> right. If we were like Gen Zers, we would say that in a way different way with we, like emojis. We, yeah. Well, we're keeping we're, it lit. <laughs> we're keeping it. No, we're keeping it lit, keeping it a uh, vibe. I don't know. I, I, I try not to, uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm always behind on what's the cool things to say and what's not. So that's right. I'm still trying to figure out how to work emojis into a song. Uh, you know what I mean? Like how, what the sonic representation of those is going to be. So yeah, I don't I'm know. still if trying anybody to wants figure to... out TikTok, man. Like I'm still, you know, trying to, I feel like I need to go to school to learn that. And that's a whole nother thing, but right. Um... Or you just gotta, or it's just like, you know, you just got to do it and do it wrong yeah. and do it weird and do it strange until something fits, which is, honestly, kind of all any of us ever did. And I think most people in the, uh, in the realm of music uh, are ever really doing, you know, just figuring it out and hoping nobody finds out that they don't actually know, um, as much as they think. Right. Yeah. None of us know anything. Right. And so I'm just out here, uh, trying to, trying to just go with my gut and go with my instinct on some stuff. Right. So anybody that's looking to follow me on that journey, um, and if it lands or weaves through how to figure out the sonic fingerprint of an emoji in a song, call me up. Uh, <laughs> I'm here for that journey. <laughs> awesome. Well, Casey, this has been a blast. I hope we can do it again sometime. And, uh, just overall, uh, congratulations on everything you're doing, man. It seems like it's working out really well. 
Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. This was awesome. I appreciate you having me on the show um, and have a, a wonderful year. We'll catch up soon. All right. Sounds good. Well, that uh, wraps up this episode of Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast. I'm Jacques Lamour. Thank you so much for listening. Please go back and listen to previous episodes of the podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts, or you can go to poppunkpizzapod.com. And uh, while you're there, make sure you sign up for our mailing list. You can also buy some merch as well. Uh, That would help uh, keep Keep the lights on here and keep the pizza flowing. Um, When you go to our store, make sure you use that promo code POPPUNK at checkout to get $2 off your order. Thanks in advance for that. And also keep track of us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. It's all at POPPUNKPizzaPod. Our theme song sung by Krista Makes of Less Than Jake. I'll talk to you next time. Hey, hello, it's nice.